Welcome to Revival from the Bible, a daily devotional podcast designed to help more people get into God's Word and get more out of the Word. I'm Ben Blakey. It's Monday, July 12th, 2021. Well, we are back for a final Revival from the Bible, Ignite edition. So you're listening to this probably on Monday, and we're recording this late on Sunday afternoon as we gear up for the final night of camp. And we're joined once again by Keegan McQuaid, and we're excited to have him with us. Keegan, last time you were on, camp was kind of getting started, and we were talking about what was going on so far. Now camp is kind of wrapping up. Tell us more about what's gone on. What kind of fun have the students had since you last talked to the Revival from the Bible crowd. Oh, yeah. Well, we have had a lot of fun these past couple of days. We got to have a huge all-out Hunger Games Battle Royale war. We had kids just chasing each other down with Nerf swords. Today, we had a huge relay race where our games crew ran about 15 different events where they finished with a human pyramid. They had to eat a banana that was involved. It was pretty cool. Was you spraying a hose on kids as they army crawled through the sand also a part of the relay race? It was. And it was, uh, I mean, it was just where the games crew wanted me. It just happened to end up like that. I mean, was it my revenge for camp? Maybe. But I, I think we all had fun. I think so too. And we know camp is a highlight for a lot of these kids just with the fun that they have, and it's a great time. But tell us a little more even just spiritually what's been going on. We know that's our focus mm-hmm. when it comes to camp, and I know we've had some great sessions. What have the students been learning and what seems to be resonating with them over these last couple nights? Mm, I mean, I would say the gospel has absolutely been on display here. We have a lot of kids who are contemplating what the gospel is, hearing about the gospel, and then why it matters to them, and especially just comparing that to what the world is trying to tell them is true. And I'd say, I mean, it's been a really good, fruitful time of our students, maybe for the first time, really thinking about some of those bigger questions and contemplating why I need the gospel. Right. And we got one more session tonight where we're going to even just talk about fighting against sin and what that looks like. Um, And one more small group tomorrow morning, which Mm -hmm. I guess for people listening is this morning. And so on Monday, as many people will be listening to this, the students will be getting on the buses, heading back down the mountain. What can people be praying for as the students return Mm -hmm. from camp? Well, that's a really good question. I would say, I mean, the two things at the top of my list would be be praying for fruit. I mean, there have been a lot of really good conversations that have happened here. We've had some students profess faith, which has been awesome. But now, especially for Plants and Pillars, we are going to be focused on seeing fruit in these students' lives, which then my second thing to pray for would then be to pray for for the follow-up conversations that our leaders are going to have, both with students and parents, and then parents are going to have with students, because that time is just as important as everything that goes on at Ignite. Absolutely. Camp is not the end, you know, when it's Mm -hmm. over. And even working with so many camps throughout my years, it's amazing how many times I've seen someone that you didn't really think about at all at camp. It didn't seem like they were saying much to their leader, but over the next year, you really start to see that difference. And even years down the road, they kind of point back to that camp and say, yeah, that's, that's when I got saved. Or, Hey, that's when I really started growing to the next level in my Christian life. And it's something you didn't even see at the time, but something that uh, happens down the road. So Thank you, Keegan, for all the great work that you've done running this camp. And thanks for joining us on Revival from the Bible again.
Absolutely. Well, hey, I love all these students. It's been my pleasure to just serve them for a week. And hey, it's been great to be here on Revival from the Bible. All right. Well, now we're going to dig into our Bible reading together. And we actually have a passage today that really fits well with uh, the message of the last night from Ignite. Uh, the message tonight at Ignite is going to be from 1 Peter 2, 11 and 12, and is uh, entitled The Opponent Within. We're kind of rolling with the competition Olympics theme in the preaching. And so we're going to talk about how one of our opponents in this competition is kind of actually within us. It's, it's our flesh. And that is working against us. It's waging war against us, it says in 1 Peter. And so how do we win that war is something that we're going to talk about tonight. And we see that theme come up in Galatians. Galatians 5 as well, Galatians 5, 16 through 26. It begins in verse 26 by saying, And I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not gratify the desires of the flesh. For the desires of the flesh are against the Spirit, and the desires of the Spirit are against the flesh to keep you from doing the things that you want to do. And so we see there, there is, even as a Christian, this conflict between the Spirit and and our flesh, that through the spirit, we have these sanctified desires, but sometimes through our flesh, we do something that on, on some level we don't want to do as we give into the flesh. And then it desires or lists many of the desires of the flesh and the works of the flesh in this chapter, and then contrasts that with the fruit of the spirit, a very familiar passage towards the end. And as Christians, what we all want to see is us growing and walking in the spirit so that there are less and less of those works of the flesh and more and more of the fruit of the spirit in our lives. And so we want to think about that and just even want to share some of what I shared with the students last night, that really this battle with sin is intense and it is kill or be killed. Uh, Sin does not have our best interests at heart. Sin wants to destroy our lives. And unfortunately, as a pastor, I have seen that happen way too many times. And probably you, even as if you've been a Christian for a while, you have seen sin uh, really uh, cause some major damage to people that you love. And so we need to be reminded of the seriousness of this battle. And so with the students tonight, we're even going to talk about a few words, even some of the same words we talked about with our men uh, back at the men's retreat a month ago, uh, that how do we kill sin? And one is that we need help. Uh, First and foremost, you can't kill sin. You can't walk in the spirit if you don't have the spirit. And we have to realize that we need a savior from our sin. And we can't just do better, try harder. Uh, No, we need a new spirit. We need the Holy Spirit, and we can only get that when we turn from our sin and put our faith in Christ and truly uh, repent of our sin and truly trust him and, and call out to him and lean on him as the only one that can help us overcome our sin. And we're also going to talk about how to get to the root of sin and how we're not just trying to trim sin back. No, we want to root it out and getting into really idolatry and our hearts We want to talk about scripture, and that's something I think when we think about walking by the Spirit, or as it says later, keep in step with the Spirit, there's no way we're really going to be able to do that without thinking about the Word of God, the book that the Spirit wrote. As we lean on the scriptures, that's really going to help us keep in step with the Spirit, and the Spirit is going to work through the scriptures, as I think the Spirit will work to convict us of our sin. The Spirit will enlighten us, illumine us to help us understand scripture and really expose our own hearts. So the scripture 
and the Spirit are going to be working together uh, to sanctify us and also just how this fight is constant. This struggle between the flesh and the Spirit is one we need to be committed to uh, really until the day that we die. And so as you read Galatians 5, I want you to think about your own struggle uh, with sin and your own commitment to fight sin. And also, that's another thing to pray for these students about as they come down the mountain, as that will be the last message that they heard. So pray that they apply it and pray that these students really develop habits of victory over sin early in their lives. And we kind of see a warning about that as we turn now to Psalm 81 verses 11 through 16, where we saw in the last passage that God was inviting them saying, open your mouth wide and I will fill it. I will satisfy you. But then we see kind of the sad story in verse 11, but my people did not listen to my voice. Israel would not submit to me. So I gave them over to their stubborn hearts to follow their own counsels. Oh, that my people would listen to me, that Israel would walk in my ways. And just that that plea, man, I wish that they would listen to me. And if they would have listened to me, we see what happened in verse 16, but he would feed you with the finest of the wheat and with honey from the rock, I would satisfy you. That's another thing I hope these students understand is that sin is a total ripoff. God is offering us something so much better. He wants to satisfy our souls and sin is offering us a cheap substitute. And we're reminded of that here in Psalm 81. So another thing, just remember the things that you're tempted by today, no matter how good they might seem, you know, we've talked about that at camp too, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, the, the boastful pride of life, right? These things, they appeal to you, uh, but they cannot satisfy. And so we want to pray for these students. We want to examine ourselves uh, to, to see our own hearts and to remind ourselves that what God is offering us is something better. Uh, now let's look at our final two passages for today. First, we look at Luke uh, verses 27 through 32. And here we see the call of Levi, who was a tax collector. And what an intense uh, thing that must have been. And we know tax collectors were not very popular among the Jewish people. They were often seen as traitors, as sellouts. And so when Jesus is eating then at the house of the tax collector, uh, the, the Pharisees don't like it. And they say, why do you eat and drink with tax collectors and sinners? Now, one thing to note, uh, you know, a lot of people, I think, want to use that verse as an excuse to kind of, well, I'm just going to kind of hang out in the world because that's what Jesus did. And I want to just make one note here that uh, this is an accusation of the Pharisees. And, and even at this point, he's hanging out with a repentant tax collector. So we, we don't just want to throw ourselves in bad situations. Bad company corrupts good morals. But on the other hand, we don't want to be so high and mighty that we are ashamed to associate with people that have repented of their sin, no matter what background they have come from. If they have repented of their sin and put their faith in Christ, they are now our brother or sister in Christ. And while we don't want to put ourselves in bad situations uh, that are going to just be a hindrance to our growth, we do want to not isolate ourselves from the world because like Jesus, we are meant to call sinners to repentance. And if we don't have any contact with sinners, that's going to be difficult. So let's not go surround ourselves with sinners um, and be reminded of the warnings of scripture there, but let us not isolate ourselves completely from sinners as God is calling us now to be the ones that minister to them and call them to repentance like Jesus did. Now, finally, we're going to look at 1 Chronicles 9 and 10 today. 
And now we're starting to get out of the genealogies. I, I can hear your applause, but hey, let's tone it down a little bit. Remember, the genealogies aren't as bad as we think. But now we're going to start to get more into the narrative. And so a couple of things that you're going to notice, it has a list in chapter 9, another genealogy of the returned exiles. So clearly this book has been assembled, put together, written after the exile. So this is people looking back on the history and really on the history of the line of David. It's going to touch on Saul, but then it's going to get in David and his descendants. So unlike kings that bounced back from the northern kingdom of Israel to the southern kingdom of Judah, uh, the book of First Chronicles is going to stay focused on the southern kingdom of Judah, the house of David. But remember, this is written after the exile, and it's kind of meant to remind people of the mistakes that they made that led to exile. And we're going to see one phrase at the beginning and the end of our reading today as we look at First Chronicles chapter 9. And it says, so all Israel was recorded in genealogies, and these are written in the book of the kings of Israel. And Judah was taken into exile in Babylon because of their breach of faith. And that's the key phrase. So it's going to start to say, hey, the reason that, you know, we had to go into this exile thing was because of a breach of faith, because we did not trust God. And because we did not trust God, we did not obey God. And therefore we were punished for our sin. And so that's applied to the nation. But in chapter 10, we're going to see that applied to the King Saul. And it records how Saul died and his sons died in the battle with the Philistines. We read about that at the end of 1 Samuel. But look at 1 Chronicles 10, verse 13. It says, so Saul died for his breach of faith. He broke faith with the Lord in that he did not keep the commandment of the Lord and also consulted a medium seeking guidance. He did not seek guidance from the Lord. And so even just as you see that, uh, you see that that old, you know, old hymn, trust and obey, for there's no other way to be happy in Jesus but to trust and obey. What is it saying when the nation or Saul uh, had a breach of faith? Well, I think it's really just saying they didn't trust and they didn't obey. And that's clearly what we see in Saul. He didn't trust that God could do what he said he would do. So that led him to not obey what God told him to do. And that was true of him. That's also true of the nation of Judah. And we need to guard our hearts that that's not true of ourselves. Because really, each time we sin, it's, it's a breach of faith of, of one sort or, or another, that we're failing to trust God and therefore we're failing to obey God. So as you seek to fight against sin, to fight against the flesh, like we talked about in Galatians from our reading today or First Peter from the message to the students last night, uh, may you be encouraged to feed your faith build your trust in God. Because if you want to obey God, uh, we need to build that trust in God because trust and obedience all throughout scripture, they go together. So may God minister to our hearts through the reading of the word today and help us to trust and obey. Thanks for digging into God's word with me today on Revival from the Bible. And thanks for joining us for these special editions recorded up at Ignite, our youth camp. And please, as Keegan asked, and remember those things that he encouraged you to pray for. And let's pray for these things together. And if you want more resources, go to RevivalFromTheBible.com to learn more about Compass Bible Church Treasure Valley. Go to CompassBible.tv. The grace of our Lord Jesus Christ be with you.